Take a look behind the curtain with a real whistleblower and American patriot. Prepare to embrace the uncomfortable truth because this program has no time for comforting lies. Here is civil liberties enthusiast, Second Amendment defender, and recovering FBI agent, Kyle Serafin. Welcome to the Kyle Serafin Show, folks. It's Tuesday. It's February 13th. And we are rolling live on rumble.com slash Kyle Serafin. You guys, thanks for joining us. I really appreciate the live chat. I appreciate all of you voting on whether or not we should change the intro music, which I change every month. And yeah, I'll change it in a couple of days, in like two weeks. And it'll just stay, and you guys can have all the opinions you like. I love it. We're going to talk about a bunch of us. We're going to go through a bunch of stuff today. All right. Uh, we've got a, a kind of a, a smorgasbord of topics. I want to cover a little bit of current events. I want to cover a little bit of some of the moral standing that's going on in this country, some of the moral dilemmas that we're dealing with. And I want to talk about false prophets. And it occurred to me that we're going to have to talk about it after this, this story with Derek Myers. And it occurred to me after I did a Twitter space yesterday with some folks in the middle of the day, because there's a lot of folks that are unmoored from a lot of the anchors that we've had historically for most of the time that I've been alive, the, the institutions in this country. We've lost faith. We've lost the ability to trust them implicitly, and it is resulting in some bad outcomes for bad actors. It's it's good good outcomes for bad actors, bad out outcomes for those of us who want to believe in people and want to trust people. It's hard, and we need to be very discerning. I want to talk about what that looks like and why that might be the case. Before we do, I want to say thanks to my friends over at Catholic Vote who uh, sponsor this podcast and allow us to do what we do. You guys can go to catholicvote.org. Again, it's catholicvote.org. There's the loop. Today's loop has some really good stuff in there as well. They're talking about infighting in the Democratic Party, talking about Kamala Harris saying she's ready to be president. That seems interesting. And uh, Lloyd Austin in the hospital saw that the other day. Uh, we wish him a speedy recovery, but it's confusing to me that we continue to have some of these old and feeble people that are, you know, if you, if you have medical situations, step away from the power. That's what you're supposed to do. In any case, the loop covers all of that and a really good loop cast yesterday, which uh, was able to touch on something we're going to talk about today, a controversial Super Bowl commercial from a group called He Gets Us, why I think those people are also false prophets. We're going to get into all of those things in just one second. Um, let's start off with a little bit of news, if we can, and let's get our brains squared away. Let's start with our friends over at CNN, because CNN had a couple of main stories today. They uh, they had another one that was talking about Trump. They can't get enough Trump. They had some other information about um, about this impeachment. And then there was uh, a little bit about funding, which we'll talk about in a second, the funding of the Ukraine conflict, because that's how we do it in America. When we talk about our representatives going out there and doing their jobs, their job is to give money to other countries like Israel and Taiwan, apparently. In any case, CNN politics covering, this is Annie Grayer, says that the uh, the House is slated to vote on whether to impeach DHS Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas again. So this is impeachment 2.0. Impeachment 2.0. Why are we doing this? Do you think that they got some consensus, that they got some some Democrats on board that realize that the border really is a big issue with Americans? I doubt it. It says the House Republicans are expected to vote. Is it just House Republicans or uh, are all are all members of the House allowed to vote on this? They're expected to vote on whether to impeach Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas today. 
That's Tuesday. After suffering, this is the big part of it, a massive and public defeat when a similar vote failed last week. Now, I want you to consider they did not do it successfully, but was it massive? And was it a public defeat that we all cared about? Did anybody think the Democrats were going to get on board? They have a razor thin majority. They have almost no ability to command votes. So why would it be considered a massive and public defeat? I think it's a virtue signal. They called it a stunning blow to the House Republicans when they had three Republicans dissent. That was Colorado Representative Ken Buck, Wisconsin Representative Mike Gallagher, and California Representative Tom McClintock. They joined the Democrats voting against the resolution. A trio of House Republicans said they didn't believe that there was any evidence that their Republican colleagues uncovered that rose to the level of impeachment. Wouldn't it be just simple enough that the man is not doing his job? Isn't that like we had President Trump impeached over a phone call, a phone call where he was doing what presidents do, which is negotiate with other foreign leaders. It's it's fairly incredible that the standards and ethics that have to exist in the House for the Republicans, especially the ones that are not running for office again, uh, is enough for them to stand on principle. Pretty interesting. Given the narrow margins, the House can only afford to lose a handful of votes. We don't expect to see anything change in a surprise move. Al Green of Texas, uh, who returned after surgery to change the margins, putting the Republicans one vote shy of the majority they needed. You know what else would have been a big thing? Having guys like George, uh, like George Santos still in office instead of trying to hold ourselves to a standards, hold ourselves being conservatives, people that uh, generally believe that the Constitution should be obeyed. Um, they, they, they threw out their own majority, but this is, this is part and parcel of why I continue to tell you guys, what I see is two different games being played. And if you don't have this analogy in your head, it's the easiest one. It doesn't matter whether you think Republicans are playing checkers or they're playing chess. The Democrats are playing demolition derby. I've explained it to my father and he loves the the analogy. So we'll show it out there again. Imagine the park bench. There's a stone table there and there's the the chess boards are all set up and everybody's sitting and they're moving chess pieces like you see in some of these movies, whether it be, you know, in Central Park or something like that. And there's two sides, but they're both the same team. It's conservatives, Republicans. They're playing chess or checkers. And then somebody comes through with a monster truck and just everybody runs and scrambles and they run right over the top and they break down the tables. This is what we see. There is no standard for the Democrat Party. The standard is whatever they get in line with. I actually just saw some videos earlier today of Ilhan Omar marching around and being disrespectful. This was under Trump's presidency, speaking uh, you know, in her native tongue and talking to a room, an enormous room full of Somalis. I had no idea that we had that many people that speak Somali or whatever the language is. <laughs> I really don't know what the language is, but she's out there uh, making jokes and clowning on America, saying that that's her house and she runs it. I mean, I don't see evidence to the contrary. She's able to do whatever she wants. No matter how she operates, she's able to continue to do her thing. It doesn't slow down, even a little bit. It's pretty disgusting. I want to keep moving forward because the uh, the narrative that was getting pushed, and there's a lot of it, like I said, uh, Chuck Schumer is telling us that the most important thing is, is that we need to fight Putin. That's what Americans are really interested in. We need to continue this Cold War mentality. 
which I think we moved on from. And then secondarily, uh, we need to go out there and make sure that we paint Trump and Putin as bad guys. So MSNBC has a pretty uh, interesting analysis piece. It's uh, Trump encouraging Russia to attack NATO. We're going to talk about that in one second. Let's play Chuck Schumer kind of crowing in victory that he got a significant margin, almost 20 Republicans to defect over and vote in favor of money to not our border security. And money that is not going to make America safer, per se. It's money that's going into foreign war efforts, uh, Israel, Ukraine, and Taiwan, because that's the priorities of the people that we have theoretically representing us. They're not playing the same game, folks. Here it goes. Here's what Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer said about the passage of this morning's bill just moments ago. Today, we make Vladimir Putin regret the day he questioned America's resolve. And we make clear to others, like China's President Xi, not to test our determination. And we send a clear bipartisan message of resolve to our allies in NATO. With the strong bipartisan support we have here in the Senate, with this vote, I believe that if Speaker Johnson brought this bill to the House floor, it will pass with the same strong bipartisan support. Is that really the standard that we're supposed to hold things to? That there's 435 plus the 100 in the Senate and those people, if they have a majority agreement on spending our money on priorities that are not American priorities, and that's what that's a win. He has the strong belief that if he brought it in front of his uh, basically 50-50 colleagues and a couple of people that will defect, that they'll get $95 billion for foreign countries. And we're not going to solve the problem that we have going on on our southern border. The word treasonous is overused. But this attitude of not believing in this country first, like the the concept of America first in uh, in sort of quotes or, or as a trademarked phrase, it should be a default position. Everybody in, in elected office already agrees to America first. Do you know how I know it? They all have to swear an oath of office. America first means that you believe that uh, you should be upholding the, the ideals of our Constitution. You should be basically serving the elected folks that put you there. Do you think there are any people in this country that think money for foreign nations should supplant money for our own needs? There must be some. There must be people that either have no idea what they vote for and who they're putting into office or they don't understand what money is. That's also probably true. It's bizarre. It's exactly the weirdest thing to see. I don't get it. I don't get how these people keep getting sent back. I don't know why we think that's acceptable. And like, what is the lure in a war that is that is massively unpopular in this country? They keep running on it. They're going to put $95 billion. That's almost twice as much as we spend on our Marine Corps. Like, what do you want? A better funded Marine Corps or Ukraine to have a ton of money and fending the, you know, paying their pensions for the people there that retired under state under state pensions. I mean, state-backed pensions. It's bizarre, absolutely bizarre. And so the only way they can do this stuff is they have to point out how very, very important NATO is. This is this Cold War mentality. We can't get away from it. God forbid. God forbid we let the, uh, the, the idea that NATO is an antiquated concept. Uh, and so they're going to attack Trump over it. Now, I, I liked what Trump was used to saying. He was saying that, one, that the other countries should pay their bills. And they should start stepping in because NATO essentially exists as a projection of power for the United States. But it's supposed to be a hedge against Russia, but not really. It was actually supposed to be a hedge against the Soviet Union. And it went away. There is no Soviet Union. 
Um, that, that interview that Tucker Carlson just did with Vladimir Putin was very interesting from a different position. Not that I believe everything that Vladimir Putin says, but I don't think he's wrong to think about how Russia considers itself not part of the West because it was never accepted of the West. We've made them an enemy and they're kind of a boogeyman. In any case, Trump over here, this is an opinion piece coming from MSNBC, who is our far left friends. Uh, Trump encouraging Russia to attack NATO allies is as foolish as it is dangerous. Yeah, okay. Once again, it's a group of people that want to take Trump literally, but they don't take him seriously, when in fact the opposite should happen. They should take him seriously, but not literally. Even according to the America First worldview, U.S. interests are not served by nudging Moscow into striking delinquent NATO countries, nor will they. How foolish would that be? They already know that there's a, a triggering mechanism. That's what the treaties mean. He's repeatedly threatened to withdraw from NATO. That's President Trump. And he's uh, said that the post-war alliance was a drain on U.S. resources. Those are all true statements. You notice they don't attack the message. They're just going to attack the messenger and call him dangerous. But nothing about that says that he's wrong. Of course, they were going to go after the hyperbole. He said that he would actually encourage Russia to attack NATO allies. That's not how he said it. But he said, uh, he said, well, sir, if, you don't, if we don't pay and we're attacked by Russia, will you protect us? He apparently is quoting, um, this is qu Trump quoting the president of, who was it? One of the NATO allies sort of irrelevant. He says, if you don't pay, you're delinquent. Yeah, let's see what happens. I wouldn't protect you. In fact, I'd encourage them to do whatever the hell they want. You got to pay. That's Trump being Trump, talking about things the way that Trump does, which is to say, get your money where your mouth is. This is your collective defense. If you're not interested, Europe, why should the U.S. be interested? And of course, uh, that was the whole point of all these conversations. Doesn't mean it's a nice way to say it, but of course, you can't, you can't trust MSNBC's analysis of it. But what's important is, is we have to know this is what our neighbors are hearing. This is what our neighbors that don't agree with us are hearing. When they come out and they trot out their talking points, they're crazy. What they're saying is Donald Trump is asking Russia to attack people in Europe. How can you vote for him? You believe that? I don't. You know, I don't because uh, it didn't happen while Trump was president. This is the other funny thing. We've just sort of forgotten the fact, or at least people on the left have forgotten the fact, that he had an opportunity to do whatever it was for the first four years that he was in office. And did he do the things that they think he, did he turn into a global tyrant? Did he end up uh, declaring that there were going to be no more elections? No, he got scammed. And he showed up and he did things that actually worked out in the favor of most people in America, right up until we got sort of covicided or whatever the hell you want to call it. Whatever that, whatever that, period of 2020 to the end up into the election happened. That was the weirdest, strangest moment. And I think that it'll be studied for a very long time. We're still trying to make sense of what just happened to this country. And we're still trying to get back on our footing. Pretty wild. In the meantime, we've got guys in the White House right now who are trying to figure out uh, where they are, who they're talking to, what they're talking about. We've got Joe Biden, who's absolutely confused. He has no idea what's happening around him. And so the only way that they can play off how mentally deficient that man is, they're now going to attack Donald Trump's memory. I didn't realize this, but Jon Stewart is back at The Daily Show. Did you guys know that? They got rid of the other guy, Trevor Noah. I guess he wasn't very good. His ratings weren't good. So they've stepped in. They've brought in the pinch hitter and they have the uh, the, the great talent of Jon Stewart, who is a great talent, by the way. He's very funny. But what's quite interesting is they need him for the propaganda war. They need to bring him back. They need to, because that's some of the only news that people in some generation is getting. They're not getting any real news. They're going to The Daily Show, a comedy routine, and that's their version. Snarky wit and cleverness. So we're going to play a little clip from that about how they're attacking Donald Trump's memory. 
simply trying to bring people away from how bad it is with the Biden stuff. I got some clips like side by side. You guys can make the decision. Uh, before we do that, let's go ahead and say thanks to a sponsor, particularly our friends at Contingency Medical. If you guys have not gone over there and checked out their website, I highly encourage it. Go to contingencymedical.com. Use the promo code Kyle. Save a couple bucks at checkout. What do you get there is an opportunity to sign up and buy their pharmaceutical pack. It is an antibiotic pack. Plus pack, it's on the go. It means you can take your meds with you and you can have them in advance so you don't have to go to a doctor when you actually are already sick. That's the best thing you can think of. Nobody wants to go to a doctor when you're sick. Wellness checks are way better, right? So go get your check online. You go through a telehealth process. They will go and suit you up with a board certified physician in your state. And then you'll get real prescriptions from real pharmacies sent to you in this little cool pack that you can carry around with you when you travel or when you're at home. And you can be ahead of the curve so you can prepare instead of having to repair when you're sick. Steve Friend and I were just talking about this over the weekend, actually. <laughs> we just got into it. You just said, hey, man, uh, when you're sick, it's the worst time to go to the doctor. Wouldn't it be better to have a bunch of antibiotic packs and all the uh, the stuff that you might need to use? It tells you exactly how to use them. And you've got anti-diarrheals. You've got anti-emetics, which means you like the anti-nausea and vomiting. Zofran, which is my favorite drug that exists. It's absolutely incredible stuff. And then you've got like a Z-pack in there from azithromycin. You've got... Uh, uh, amoxicillin and others, go to contingencymedical.com. Use promo code Kyle when you check out. And uh, that lets them know that we sent you over there. Great, great opportunity for you to take your health into your own hands and really kind of own what's going on around you. Nobody wants to be reliant on these systems. We're going to talk a little bit more about that, about how all these institutions have debased themselves. And when they did, man, they lost a lot of credibility and they didn't seem too worried about it. Let's play this. Like I said, we're, we're talking about Donald Trump's memory now. That's what the political left is bringing up. That's what Morning Joe, Joe Scarborough. So people are waking up with that. And then uh, also it's on The Daily Show. So two groups, about two minutes of this is going to be nauseating. But listen to the difference between a Donald Trump. He sounds a lot more like a Chris Ray being cagey under oath. That's what I'm going to pre preempt your mind with. He says a lot of things like, um, he's like, well, I don't recall that or I don't remember. He's being deposed in these videos. So that's what's going on. And then we show the difference between someone who actually doesn't know what's going on. All right, here we go. MSNBC coming at you. The footage of the president unable to recall simple facts must have been brutal to watch. James Webb. I don't remember the names. I don't remember the name. I don't remember ever buying something for myself. Do you recall what years you were married to Ms. Naples? I mean, I, I don't remember that. Okay, okay. As, as good as my memory is, I don't remember that. But I have a, I have a good memory. So you don't remember saying you have one of the best memories? I, I don't remember. I'm sorry. That was the wrong, that was the wrong footage. That's the high-functioning candidate <laughs> from nine years ago, unable to recall if he has a good memory. <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, John Heilman. We've seen examples over and over again of Donald Trump just losing it on stage here. And you, you, you had the whole political world come to a stop. First of all, because for some reason you had the guy, uh, the special counsel, asking, "Hey, um, what uh, what year did did your son die?" And supposedly he didn't remember what year his son died. And, and this was the most damning thing. I said this yesterday, and maybe, I don't know, maybe it's just older people. We've, we've lived a busy and active life. But 
Nobody's closer to me. Nobody's been closer to me in my life than my mom. If somebody asked me in the middle of the deposition, what year did your mom die? I go, I don't know, 2017, 2018, 2019. I don't know. I can tell you everything about it. I can tell you my final word. But, but, but again, that and same thing with Mika and her dad. So the fact, first of all, that he was asking that question. Secondly, uh, that somehow that's the most damning thing and the Trump people are now saying the White House is like an old folks home. Uh, they need to look inside their own uh, glass house. Because they need to look inside their own glass house, right? <clears throat> That's Joe Scarborough, if you guys are uh, just listening on the audio track. Joe Scarborough, who might be one of the worst interviewers in the world. By the way, when he's on screen right there, if you can't see it, you literally have a guest waiting to comment who is waiting for him to stop the monologue about he doesn't know when his mom died, which I don't believe him. Um, I don't think anybody believes him. Does he, I don't think he believes him. They're, they're reaching. And, and the fun thing is this. Uh, Trump is under oath in a deposition trying to avoid things. And then they're literally comparing it side by side with Joe Biden, who doesn't know about his son's death in a, in a deposition. The scary thing is, is Joe Biden talks about his son's death all the time as a political device. And he seems to forget all the details. Like he doesn't know where he died. He doesn't know where he's buried. He thinks he might be buried outside of France. He thinks he might have died in the Iraq war. He might have died because of something that he can't prove. He might have been in combat. Like all these crazy things that you hear Joe Biden kind of just like stumble over because he's trying to make political points. If you're going to use something as a political device, you don't think he knows that? Except he's old. The difference between Trump being kind of cagey, which is what you're seeing there, and the uh, the actual sort of horrific decline of the man who's sitting in the office of the White House, it's its not even close. So I wanted to show those back and forth. I also wanted to show you just what a bad host and uh, interviewer Joe Scarborough is. That's what you're missing if you're not watching on MSNBC and watching Morning Joe in the morning, if you're watching here with us. So here's a little, here's a little clip of Biden getting pissed. He's getting pissed because he was called out. Listen to what he says about that's not your assessment. That's not the assessment of the press. <laughs> anyway, even his words don't make sense when he's, when he's even stringing together a complete sentence, which is not always. Here we go. Mr. President, for months when you were asked about your age, you would respond with the words, watch me. Watch Many me. American people have been watching and they have expressed concerns about your age. That is they, your judgment. They, that is your is judgment. That is not the judgment concerns. of the press. They express concerns about your mental acuity. They say that you are too old. Mr. President, in December, you told me that you believe there are many other Democrats who could defeat Donald Trump. So why does it have to be you now? Why, what is your answer to that question? I'm the most qualified person in this country to be president of the United States and finish the job I started. The conduct of the response in, Gaza, in the Gaza Strip has been um, over the top. I think that, uh, as you know, initially, the president of Mexico, Sisi, did not want to open up the gate to allow humanitarian material to get in. I talked to him. I convinced him to open the gate. I talked to Bibi to open the gate on the Israeli side. I've been pushing really hard, really hard, to get humanitarian assistance into Gaza. 
Yeah, that's a lot of confusion right there. That's one man who's confusing the president of Mexico, who's confusing the uh, the president of Egypt. We we talked about it the other day. And here's the actual here's the actual polling. He said that's not that's just your opinion. No, this is coming from Daily Wire. This was in uh, yesterday's loop. It's uh, 86 percent of Americans say Joe Biden is too old for another term. That's a lot of Americans. That's almost everybody. 86 percent. That is a hyper majority. So it's not just this one reporter. Uh, as you guys mentioned in the chat, I listened to Dan Bongino's talk on it yesterday. He spent the whole show doing it, and I was lifting weights listening, and I was like, yep, Dan's on it. He spent the radio show discussing it as well. There's obviously a play to highlight him, and there's an interesting pressure campaign. Dan's much more into uh, assessing sort of how devious some of these these folks are working at DOJ, but it does look like there's a squeeze to get him out, and uh, the question is why, and his, his statement, I think, was spot on. He basically said that if they were to put somebody in who had huge name recognition, then they would be able to do it late in the game. But because they're going to put someone in who, who's less competent and less good and is not very well liked, they need a lot of time to kind of work that person up. Makes sense to me. Uh, definitely check out Dan's show from yesterday if you guys want to hear that or listen to his radio show. I'm sure he'll be touching it again. Worthwhile. Look, the guy's completely out to lunch. He doesn't know what's going on. Here he was again. This is another one. This is covered by uh, this is New York Post. Talking about confused Biden looks lost as he wanders around behind the podium. I watched the video of this. You literally have uh, Jordan's King speaking and Biden walks behind him and goes from one side to the other trying to figure out where he's saying. I don't know if he's waiting to figure out, is it my turn to speak? Um, he's just he's just kind of meandering around. And at some point he calls out that Barack Obama's out in the corner of the room, which is also really bizarre. Uh, but that's how you end up seeing a, a White House or a special counsel rather in, in the person of Robert Hur stating that he's just an elderly man with a poor memory and then he's getting angry about it, which, you know, talk to people that have a poor memory that that are getting older. They kind of know unless you're just an arrogant egotist like you see this guy, which is why they said, how come you're the only one who can do it? And he said, I'm the most qualified. God help us if Joe Biden is the most qualified Democrat to stand in that office, because if that's true and it may be true based on what we see. This country is in really, really bad shape if that's the best that they can put up. He's weak, he's frail, he's confused, and uh, as Andrew Giuliani said, former Trump administration, he said, the world is laughing at us. Yeah, the world is laughing at us. 100% that's the case. We know that's true. Pretty awful, pretty sad, pretty gross. In the meantime, we have this other kind of tremendous amount of gaslighting going on, and this is what I wanted to talk about, the false prophets that are pushing in. So that's the news happening. But what is going on in a deeper way? What's deeper is that there's an attempt to exploit the way that we've lost the underpinnings of our of our culture. We've lost the institutions that we've always been able to trust that, generally speaking, we knew we're doing the right thing. There's an entire generation that I'm finding out. Uh, Steve Friend and I were talking about it. Our parents' generation, not necessarily our parents specifically, but our parents' generation who think if it's on TV, it must be true. Why? Because they must have people that vet it, Right. That's a fundamental faith that the news media is giving you things that are, in fact, news and they are, in fact, accurate. And we know that's not true. We have some examples of that coming up in just a minute as well. But when the news media has debased itself over ratings or over a political agenda, which we saw happening for the last, like, probably between three and five years, when they have debased themselves in the, uh, the medical community for the same reasons, for money, for power, for the ability to move forward products that were not ready for us, all of these things have been exposed. And so, so many Americans, particularly on the, the conservative side, have just cut their anchor. They've cut that, that anchor chain and they've dropped those things away. And so then they are now just floating in, in the abyss of confusion. They're like, well, I'm not going to believe in the things that I used to believe in. 
pharmaceutical companies, um, media, government, law enforcement, all these things are perfect. You can cut all those things and you can say, yes, an inherent distrust is necessary. It's the same reason why we should be looking at guys like that Derek Meyer that we talked about yesterday. We should be distrustful as a default position. But the danger is this. When you have nothing to ground yourself in, you start, at least some people start, looking so desperately to replace those pillars. And they're willing to do it with things that just come into their head. It's one of the things that I've noticed that is the scariest and the weirdest thing. It's like, I don't believe that anybody is telling me the truth, so everything I think is now true. That is the worst, worst idea. Um, I was on a Twitter space yesterday discussing it with some folks that were a bunch of January 6th types. And one of the things that I discussed was the reason that I have a poster from the X-Files sitting behind me, which is a which is that 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 want to believe attitude, that Fox Mulder thing that we all kind of remember from the 90s, the curious mind, the person who believes in the difficult to believe, who believes that there's a possibility. But the idea that you want to believe should be tempered by the idea that there has to be science, there has to be evidence, there has to be facts, there has to be a pattern that we can draw, not connecting the dots, but almost an unbroken line of facts that leads us to something um, that is credible. Otherwise, we're just we're adrift with no rudder and we have no ability to discern what is true and what is false. It's so critical. And there are people out there that are preying on that right now. There are false prophets in this in this country and they're in the media. They know that people have lost their ability. So what they are doing is they are dangling out some red meat and they're saying, why don't you come and, and, and enjoy this with us? Look, it's for you. And you go, we need to be, we need to be even more discreet about our belief system. We need to even be more skeptical of everybody. And you should be skeptical of the things that I say. I'll show you the stuff in the article, then go dig on it yourself. You shouldn't just take someone's credibility uh, at their at their word. We need to continuously be vetting even the sources that we generally trust. We have to be, because otherwise we're going to get taken in by these folks. Um, and I, I had Garrett O'Boyle uh, chatting earlier today, and it just reminded me. That's why I named the show as it is. It's uh, Matthew 7. He says, beware of false prophets, which come to you in sheep's clothing, but in, inwardly they are ravenous wolves, and you'll know them by their fruits. The, the whole point is that you can look at the wider world. There, there's this biblical wisdom that's been around for 2,000 years of, of Western history. Just because someone is suddenly saying something that sounds good to you does not mean that person should be trusted. In fact, quite the opposite. Look at what the fruits are, and you'll know. So I want you to consider that when we look into this. Uh, we're going to talk about this commercial. This commercial is truly bizarre and troubling to me. I'm going to play you the commercial in its entirety. It's 60 seconds long, and it uses a, a song that'll probably get us demonetized on, on YouTube. But since we don't get money from YouTube anyway, we don't really care. We're playing the, the Super Bowl commercial from a group that's called He Gets Us, ostensibly a Christian group. And there's an article in MSNBC that is critiquing it. That tells you something. My friends over on the Loopcast critiqued it yesterday. There are a number of groups that have already come out and been like, whoa, what are we doing? And I want you guys to watch the commercial if you didn't watch the Super Bowl like I did not. And I've seen this commercial a number of times now. It's popped up. It's worth, it is worth us knowing who these people are, who they tell us they are, and what they're not telling us about what they're doing. We can see by their fruits, their actions, a lot more information than anything about this video. But the video is worth watching in and of itself. Uh, before we do that, I want to say thanks to my buddies over at uh, Patriot Coolers. So we'll do this first. Let me throw them up on the screen here. And let me just show you. Here's my... 16 ounce in blue. This is a coffee tumbler. And you can also see the Seraphim family minivan, um, 50 quart cooler filled with groceries. Guys go to patriotcoolers.com. If you're looking at something, 
Don't go out and buy something you don't need. But if you are in the market and if it's Valentine's Day, it might be too late for that one. But you can get somebody something that they will love for a very long time. Use promo code Kyle, K-Y-L-E, saves you 10% at checkout. And if you spend 50 bucks, you'll get free shipping. You'll get free shipping on pretty much any of the bigger items. Uh, or you'll do what I do, which is buy multiple tumblers. And I also buy multiple lids. I don't know why. I like to have the snap-on lid. And then I like to have the one that has the turn because you can actually put a straw into it. And I'm always using my coffee cup for smoothies and other stuff like that too. Head-to-head, beats the Yeti. It's a personal taste test. Uh, it's an N equals one test, but we believe in it here in the Seraphin household. We've got their products. We've had them since 2017. Highly appreciated, and they've been an OG sponsor of our show. Again, patriotcoolers.com. The promo code is Kyle. Check them out. You can follow them on social media at patriotcoolers. If you buy something that looks good, which it always does, make sure you tag them. Tag me if you like to. I'm a big fan. Okay, here's this video. I want you guys to see it. This is the He Gets Us. That's the name of the group. Ostensibly a Christian group. I want you to look at the imagery on here. And if you're on the audio, you're going to miss out on it. Maybe you've already seen it, but you can go find it on social media. You can find it on their YouTube channel. Worth looking at. The imagery here, how come it is always, look at who is being in the servant role and who they are trying to manipulate. Don't ask me what you know is true. Are you nauseated? It's all done by um, by classist and by sort of leftist hierarchy of minorities. You can see that. It looks like a really, really nice message. Jesus didn't teach hate. That's true. Didn't. And uh, the idea being that uh, we should go out and serve others, wash feet, not be not not a big problem. What it says to me by looking at that thing instinctively, because I'm a skeptic about everything is it says, we're not Christians, but you are. You should do what we say. And that means you should help people at abortion clinics. And you should uh, have your priests kneel in front of uh, gay men who are wearing rainbow-colored roller skates on the boardwalk. You should serve those who are being sinful. Not that those people should turn away because of the action or that they're, they're going to be inspired, but you should simply... You should simply allow people to be as they are because Jesus, their whole, their whole website is full of Jesus is the biggest love story in human history. Yeah, but he also said, go forth and sin no more. Did he not? So here's a little piece that I found quite interesting. When MSNBC has a problem with you <laughs> um, and the Catholic vote folks over on the Loopcast do, you might be really pissing off everybody. It says, what those behind the He Gets Us Super Bowl ads may not seem to get about Jesus. This is an opinion piece. It's written by someone called Solomon Missouri. And it said millions of dollars on Super Bowl ads promoting Jesus would have been better spent on housing those sleeping outdoors or feeding those who are hungry. Do you get it? What they did is they spent a bunch of money on some really slick advertising 
They put a bunch of money into billboards. They now have um, these, these beautiful sort of like lit up billboards in Hollywood and in Vegas. And they've been playing this stuff out there. What are they selling is the real question. You know, are they selling actual values or is the, is the value don't hate let us be the thing that we want to be? This is a false prophet. This is people using false prophecy. And they are coming in the, in the guise of sheep. And it is pretty evil stuff. It's pretty obvious to those of us who are tuned to what a PSYOP looks like. Right? This is what the PSYOPs looks like. It tells you something that you instinctively want to believe. And it's my belief that these people who seem to be type Marxist types or, or you know, clearly leftists, they said, uh, you know, you're Christians and we're going to manipulate the things that you believe to try to get our way. There is nothing uglier than seeing people argue with a biblical perspective in order to get a non-biblical result. That's what we're seeing here. All right. So during the Super Bowl, this new nonprofit group, they, they claim it's a new nonprofit group, by the way. They've been around since 2022. They've been putting billboards up in Vegas since 2022. It's not that new then, is it? If it's 18 months or two years old. Uh, two different ads with taglines. He gets us, like I said, highly produced, licensed music, not inexpensive. Jesus didn't teach hate. He washed feet. He gets us. Very strange. Uh, and so it was begun by a group called the, the Signatory, known as the Servant Foundation. Said it was devoting $100 million into the, uh, their campaign, their ad campaign. $100 million. Wow. What's that all about? Think about what you could do with $100 million. Think about what you could do with $95 billion, to be fair. But what could you do with $100 million in actually helping people in real charitable organization? My dad used to run uh, the the St. Vincent de Paul Society in the uh, the little place he lived outside of St. Augustine in, uh, I believe it's St. John's County. And they, they ran the St. Vincent de Paul Society and they didn't give things to anybody. What they did is they said, if you have problems and you have issues, you can bring your issues to us and we will help you. One, get on your feet. Two, we will pay your bills. We won't give you money, but we will go to the grocery store with you and help you find the right groceries. And then we will pay for them because when you give charity, it should also not just be a handout. It should also be teaching people how to not be in the same situation. A hundred million dollars would have gone an awful long ways in these local grassroots areas, whether they be St. Vincent de Paul Society or secular organizations, helping homeless, helping people get job skills. You could pay for a lot of food handlers permits to get people into to income-based jobs where they can get on their own feet. In the meantime, these people are spending that on an ad campaign that looks really nice. I mean, it was a beautiful commercial. Some great artistry. Very interesting. Uh, the claim here is that the uh, the money, that at least some of the money in the beginning was founded by David Green, who founded Hobby Lobby. Told Fox News his family was a big financial supporter of the He Gets Us campaign. Yeah, I think they don't get it, it sounds like. They're spending an awful lot of money on things that come from Chinese and uh, and rather than help out, <laughs> rather than help out during that time, we've seen homelessness jump 12%, 40% of them living in places that are not meant for human habitation, grocery prices are higher, and instead they're making flashy ad campaigns. Apparently, the uh, 30-second commercial during the Super Bowl was $7 million. That's what the estimate is. So that's an awful lot of money to be just throwing down on an ad campaign for a Super Bowl. That was woke. And that was doing some of this kind of stuff. Very interesting. Um, I thrown it on the screen here because I wanted you guys to see the about us. And the about us to me uh, is always the most telling. When people are not being honest, 
I threw it up here on the screen with the uh, with the MSNBC opinion piece. If you scroll through their website, which of course I did, and you go to the About Us, it's not obvious. You start up on the top and you read, um, how does the story of Jesus, the world's greatest love story, get twisted into a tool to judge and harm and divide? Hmm, interesting. How does it? Then you go down, frequently asked questions about us. What's your agenda? Are you getting people to go to church? The answer they say is no, we're not interested in church. That's the old, I'm spiritual, but I'm not religious argument. It's awful because without a, without an actual formation and without an actual groundwork to, to be able to base your ideas in, there is no meaning. Uh, what's your stance on the LGBTQ plus community? It's probably the most common question we've received, and we understand why. Many of those who represent Jesus have made uh, people in their stories about the LGBTQ plus community feel judged and excluded. That's actually not what happens. People judge actions, not the people, and they try to encourage better. So here's their opinion. G Jesus loves gay people. Jesus loves trans people. Jesus loves the LGBTQ plus community, like all people who are invited to explore the story of Jesus. But they're not trying to run a church. They're just trying to do, are they affiliated with a religion? No. The answer they say is no. And who is behind this? This is what I put up on the screen. Very telling. A newly formed nonprofit, Come Near, is now managing He Gets Us. So they've actually changed hands from the original founders under the, uh, the Hobby Lobby. Now they've moved into this piece. Come Near is a growing, expert-led staff, dedicated network of partners and supporters. Did they just tell you anything at all? With that information, our movement is not funded by or affiliated with any single individual political position, church or faith denomination. Yeah, right. They do have a faith position. It's just a secular one. We have a coalition of supporters who represent a variety of lived experiences. Are you hearing the words here? And that have led them to wildly different perspectives on many things. They're the opposite on political issues and social issues of our day, but they share one thing in common. They've been inspired and transformed by the story of Jesus. Not the real Jesus, not the story of Jesus in the Bible, but the story that they basically simpled down and made into a cartoon character. These are false prophets. That's what it looks like. A newly formed nonprofit. An expert-led staff. You know who else has expert-led staffs? The WHO. You remember that? They don't have doctors. They're not experts on things that matter. They're experts on things like gender ideology. False prophets. People who are wolves wearing sheep's clothes. And they are quite clearly woke. And they are quite clearly on the political left because they're trying to normalize things. There was a meme I saw the other day. They said, you know, if you have to normalize it, it means it's not normal. Isn't that so simple? Hasn't that always been true? Isn't that the case? It's my belief. Um, I want to talk a, a little bit further about the next sort of ugly thing. I put this all together yesterday. This is something I've been thinking about over the weekend. I've got a, like a pretty horrible video that I'm going to share with you and we're going to walk through only because it's, it's part of this. It's part of the spiritual battle that this country is currently engaging in and the war against basic Christianity and the Christian values that existed in this nation. We've always tolerated other, we've tolerated other religions. And I say tolerated because that's what the first amendment requires of us. And that's what Americans do. We tolerate. We allow people to come in, but you still have to accept that our that the values that even the founding of our of our nation and the laws that we have are based in a Judeo Christian tradition. You'd be foolish to think otherwise. Western tradition is that at this point, two thousand years, and the United States is the culmination of all the best of the political ideas from from Greece and Rome to English common law in a new birth of freedom on this continent. That's what we have, and so to say otherwise is wrong. And when anybody sort of subjugates those things and pulls the religious nature out of it, the good and moral people that are supposed to inherit this republic, when you pull those things out, you know what you get? You get really demonic and evil things. You get people doing twisted. And the, the worst part is you get bad human outcomes. The outcomes are horrible 
for those who have bought into it. We all know this. We all kind of have this sense. It's definitely out there. Let me throw this on the screen here. Say thanks to our buddies over at 4Patriots. Um, if you think things are getting getting spicy in this year, they probably are. The odds are very high. You guys can prepare yourselves so you don't have to repair. So you don't have to be the person who's uh, standing in line at a grocery store hoping that they don't run out or that your money's not worthless. Uh, 4Patriots.com, the number 4Patriots.com slash Kyle. Use the promo code Kyle at checkout. And you can go get yourself some calories, some continuity of comms. You can get yourself one of those hand crank radios that we've showed on this show before. You can get yourself squared away so that if there is, in fact, a disaster, a local disaster, a regional disaster, a national disaster, just Joe Biden is a disaster. Any of these things, you want to prepare yourself so that you're not running around and trying to make some space where you can at least eat for a few days. You have a 72-hour pack that's a good, easy start. You can go out there and get calories for a family of four for 72 hours. You can do it for a full month. You can buy it for a full year. Get yourself some ready-made calories. If you're a person that wants to do beans and rice and that's your world, knock yourself out. If you got, you know, live game all over the place, do that. But if you're not, especially if you live in an urban area, something like 4Patriots.com slash Kyle is the way to get yourself prepped up so you are not being part of the emergency as it comes your way. There's nothing worse than being part of the emergency. It was the first thing that I learned when I was a paramedic. Number one, this is not your emergency. Don't make yourself part of it. And that's what we encourage you guys to do. You guys check out their water filters and all the other kind of stuff. Um, like I said, continuity comms, continuity of calories. That is how you hedge against sort of uncertainty in this world. Let's talk about something pretty ugly and quite awful. I've got a video from Live Action. First, I want to share this little uh, this little piece here. I, I saw this gem from LifeSite News. If you're looking on the screen, what you're seeing is probably the best-looking picture of Chelsea Clinton, daughter of the Clinton dynasty, of Hillary and Bill. And so apparently she did an interview, and she said, I left the church when I was six because it opposed abortion. This is going back to 2016. This is not a new article. This was just resurfaced for me. But this stuff has been out there, this push to normalize certain things, and we're going to talk about abortion in just a second, which I know is a hot topic for certain people. And you may not care about it, but I think this is quite interesting. This is Chelsea Clinton trying to get on the pro-abortion train while her mom was, was she running for president at that time? 2016, February. Oh, yes. In her new interview, so obviously not new at this point, daughter of pro-abortion presidential candidate Hillary Clinton says she left the Baptist church at the age of six because it has strongly pro-life positions opposing abortions. Do you know how many six-year-olds are anti-baby? Like none of them, none of them are. At six, the concept of a baby is like the most important thing in the world. I have a six-year-old right now and I have a baby. All she wants to do is like get her face in there and talk to the baby, talk about when she's going to be a mom. Children are naturally inclined toward the natural order of things. Moms, dads, babies, where they came from, who's in charge. All these types of things are, are central to the way that they operate. It's incredible to me that they got this, this, you know, political hack interview to go out and say, I was raised in the Methodist church and I left the Baptist church before my dad did. I don't even know what that means, by the way. I've read this a couple times over and I can't figure it out. She said, I didn't know why they were talking to me about abortion when I was six in Sunday school. That's a true story. Do you know why? Because it's an awful evil that our country is behind and your parents were okay with it. They didn't used to be. She said, my mother is a person, is a, is a, is a very deeply... I'm sorry, I have to try and say this again. My mother is very deeply a person of faith. That doesn't make any sense the way she even said it. You know how fake that is? Hillary Clinton is very deeply a person of faith, perhaps, but the faith is in herself and in pantsuits. 
It's a very deeply authentic and real for my mother, and it guides her moral compass, and that's why she loves abortion. Probably the nastiest and sickest thing I've ever heard about Hillary Clinton. It's obviously disingenuous. It's obviously disgusting. And it's not something that we can even believe. They talk about Bill Clinton joining a church in Little Rock. He joined it because there were 4,000 members there and he was actually a politician at the time. It's quite obvious to me. It's quite obvious to anybody who watches the way that a Hillary Clinton speaks. There's no chance that she's deeply a person of faith. Certainly not a faith that we would all agree with. And that sort of attitude, this I left the church because of abortion, leads us to possibly the ugliest story that we're not seeing a lot of coverage of, but I think it's really important. It came out of the Daily Signal, and this just came out this week, last couple days. This is uh, written by a contributor named Kate Anderson. Do you guys remember this story? Five babies, partial birth abortion. The, the bodies were discovered in a medical waste bin, and then they were these people were arrested because they went and discovered it because they were tampering with medical waste. We've got members of the U.S. House now that are demanding the D.C. Medical Examiner's Office preserve these bodies. They were talking about destroying them, cremating the bodies. What you're seeing on the screen right now is just a representation. That's a, that's a, a doll of a fetus, of a, of a young, you know, unborn baby. But I've got a video that comes from live action, and it's probably the worst video that, it may be the worst video I've ever seen. And I think we need to do it anyway. And I'll leave my mic on to talk through it. It's just music and there's there's captions. So I'll probably read them along for those who are just listening. And if you're listening, that'll be a benefit to you. This is maybe one of the most graphic and horrific reasons why even if you think, oh, well, abortion is sort of okay, it's not. And it's not when you see it. You immediately know instinctively. There is nothing about the things you're about to see that look like something called a fetus. They look like a child and they are a child. You can tell because they have the parts of a child. And this is something that this doctor was okay with uh, pulling out and then throwing away. Toss in a trash bin, medical waste. All right, prep yourself. And if you, uh, and honestly, I don't do like a trigger warning thing, but I already told my wife, like, don't watch this episode because it'll leave her in tears. She'll be absolutely disgusted. So some of you may not be able to handle this. And uh, and that's fine. You can come back to us in about f- about two minutes. Let's give this thing a look. What you're seeing are completely intact human specimens between 20 and 40 weeks gestation. Some old enough to survive outside of the womb. They have lips, they have noses, they have ears, they have eyes. They have developed irises. They have fingers and toes. They have organs that are developed, small intestine. They have hearts, they have kidneys, they have livers. They've been disembodied. They've been cut up and mutilated. Bodies were uh, examined. They should be examined to determine if they were killed illegally. You can see the umbilical cord still intact on this so one. this is a baby girl. You see that there are baby she boys or baby girls. Lacerations of the skull, the back of the head. Lacerations on the back of the skull. Brains penetrated. One is in the occipital region back here. You're able to just pick these apart and it's like looking at, it's like looking at a cadaver. As you can see the skull Except it's just a tiny, tiny little person. Broken. This is what's going on, because there is a miracle that happens when you see women that are pregnant, especially when you've had, when you've had children. You've got one in an amniotic sac. You can see all the toes, fingers. You can see the blood vessels in the hand. And the odds of this being something you could do, without breaking the law, is very, very low. Particularly, just looking how vile and disgusting this stuff is. 
And this is the the doctor describing how he kills. All right, so we're going to cut away. I wanted you guys to see the visuals of what it looks like. It is a deep, deep evil. A deep evil in this country. There's nothing that separates those little tiny people from what your body is built up like. Almost nothing. Size. Um, It's sickening. It's absolutely sickening. It made me sick to my stomach when I first saw it, and I wanted people to see it on the show because that's what live action is doing on a regular basis. This is how you this is how you normalize evil in this country. You talk about uh, human rights and abortion as healthcare and reproductive care and you use euphemisms that are not real. And then we show you what it looks like. It's nauseating. It's absolutely nauseating. If you look at that and you're okay with it, there's something wrong with you. And I'm just going to tell you straight up there's something wrong with you if that didn't seem unbelievably unsettling. The most innocent and the most weak and the most vulnerable, that's what thats what the church was designed to stop. Anybody that is okay with that, they're not on this team. They're not on the team of, like, of human beings. The worst things that have happened in human history, the worst atrocities have always been going after women and children, right? It's the thing that we call out in war as war crimes. And we're in this country dealing, just sanctioning it. And the other thing that we're doing, which is awful and tragic and sad, is that we are seeing uh, mental illness and people taking their their physical bodies, like you just saw, which were dismembered, and they are doing something to them that makes zero sense whatsoever. They're taking hormones from the other gender and destroying their ability to perceive even reality. Okay, And the two things that we're seeing the Democratic Party step up with in a big, big way, they're 100% behind the LGBTQIA plus agenda, primarily the trans piece is the one that we most regularly hear about. I don't think any of us really care. If somebody is gay, they're gay. So what? In a political way, it doesn't bother me. In a religious way, we could have a different conversation. But politically, that doesn't stop anything. But when they want to start having babies and you see that for some reason, the LGBTQIA plus, they're telling me there's a community, although I've never seen it, that so-called community is behind abortion. That doesn't make any sense to me. Why? They're also behind... um, having uh, surrogates and depriving children of parents, of their natural parents. That's bizarre and strange. It looks like the same scientific experiment we just saw up there. And the second thing is, is putting cross-gender hormones into people. Now, there's a story that just came out. It was a mega church. You don't have to like Joel Olstein. Uh, I'm not a big fan. However, I don't want to see anybody getting shot when they go and they worship. The best they can do. So we've got a press conference here from the uh, Houston PD Homicide Division, the Special Investigations Unit there. A couple of things to see. Number one, this guy goes way out of his way. First, describing who he is, giving his name. He looks like a fat, fat slob of a cop. I've seen multiple people comment online saying something very simple. There's no way that this man is liked by the people that work for him. And I think that's probably true. Having worked in law enforcement, any of you who have been around it, you know, fat, sloppy, careerist, somebody who's willing to use she, her pronouns when describing someone who was killed on scene because she tried to kill people who were innocently uh, doing some, you know, worshiping. You don't have to like Joel Olstein to know that the people who are there are probably trying to do the right thing. We don't have to be mad at them. Um, So we're going to show a couple clips or we're going to show the clip from this and just look how far out of his way this Houston PD homicide division commander is going to describe this person and then we'll do a little dig into whether this person apparently potentially transgender we see Sarah Fields reporting that libs of TikTok reporting it a transgender person which is to say a woman biological I had to I had to suss this out yesterday because it wasn't obvious a biological woman 
probably taking cross-gender hormones based on the way that her body looks. It, it, it appears to be the case. Um, and the fact that she was using a masculine name. And then also, we can get into a whole big story about why on earth uh, this person was able to buy a gun. She bought cheap, crappy guns. He talks about them in the interview, but I'll just tell you up front. It was an Anderson Manufacturing, uh, commonly known as the Poverty Pony. If you guys are a gun person, you'll know what I'm talking about. If you don't, it's a cheap, cheap AR-15, $350, $400. Cheapest way you can get into the AR-15 game historically. And then the second piece of it was like one of these uh, these inexpensive 22 rifles. Looks like a bolt rifle. Not the tools of serious professionals. Not the tool of people that are gun people. Cheap, potentially garbage, and uh, and a woman who basically was looking to do damage. And the end result was is that a child was also shot, apparently her child, in the head by police officers returning fire because she had a, a, a child shield with her when she went into this. Unclear what was going on or why. We're still in the middle of the, the, the investigation, still ongoing. But this uh, Houston police officer kind of turns my stomach as well the way that they must kowtow and, and be so sensitive to somebody who died simply because of the type of communities. And Houston PD, you know, they had uh, they had Art Acevedo there as their chief. And he was trash when he was in Austin. And he's trash still. I don't know if he's still the chief over there. I have to look. But um, I'm sure this guy was brought up on the ranks under, under Acevedo. So. Good afternoon. I'm Christopher Hassig, Commander HPD Homicide, also leader of our Special Investigations Unit, last name H-A-S-S-I-G. I just want to talk about the investigative steps, uh, where we're at, what we've accomplished so far, and what we're going to be doing moving forward. All right, uh, please be mindful. We are approximately 24 hours into this investigation. It's very fluid, and the investigators under my special investigations unit have been working around the clock and gathering information this entire time. So Sunday, yesterday, February 11th, at 13.53, at 1.53 p.m., we had an individual pull up in front of Lakewood Church on the west side of the building off of Timmins. She gets out of her white vehicle. She opens the door, pulls out the seven-year-old child out of the back seat, as well as uh, a bag that is with her. She goes. She confronts a security guard who lets her in along the west side of the building. At 13.55, pardon me, 1.55 p.m., she immediately starts firing inside of the hallway on the west side of Lakewood Church. She's in the hall, not in the sanctuary. Multiple rounds are fired by her, at which point uh, Officer Moreno of the Houston Police Department working an approved extra job at the location, as well as TABC agent Herrera, return fire. And the exchange is all there on the west side of the building, in the hallway. Multiple shots are exchanged by all three. She eventually falls to the ground. Seven-year-old child it falls to the ground as well from gunfire, one uh, gunshot wound to the head. Like has been mentioned earlier today, he is in critical condition at this time. And uh, at 14.07, 2.07 p.m., she is pronounced deceased by Houston Fire Department personnel. Sorry about the echo on that. That shouldn't have been added, but for some reason, the uh, it doubled up on my audio. So listen, folks, what we're talking about here is somebody that is going out of his way not to tell the details of what happened, not to uh, do condolences to the family of the child who is now shot. 
And it looks like that it was probably in the return fire, but we'll find out. You got Sheila Jackson Lee there, as some of you guys accurately noted. I don't know what she has to do with any of this. This is a local problem, but she showed up. I'm not even sure if it's in her district, this church. Probably not. But there she is, because everybody wants to get a little bit, a little bit in on the game. And the FBI was involved, was part of the search warrant. Okay. Now, the issue is this. When we have a country that is so confused about what is male and female, which is what this is going on, then we end up we end up trying to figure out like okay was this a was this a man was this a woman was this like what was going on there, um, you know who who is this person? There you go. This is the local news shooter shooter in like this is Houston, the Houston uh, CBS News talking about the, the the individual had two rifles. Nothing to mention about the gender confusion. Nothing about the fact that I read the entire entire article from CBS. Nothing discussing that uh, this woman, apparently a biological woman. Uh, Janice uh, Moreno, also interesting that she has the same last name as one of the officers who shot her. So I don't know if that was part of it or not. We'll find out at some point in the future. But had an AR-15, which they want to get out front. They love that. And then also had a sticker on the buttstock that said Palestine. No idea what that means. I'm sure she was on the political right. That's how, that's how um, people on the political right always mark their AR-15s. And then had some garbage uh, 22 caliber rifle, which he went on to explain later on in the, in the situation. Um, and then you start dealing with the bizarre nature of the person was born in... Not this country, right? But born in El Salvador, apparently, and had been dealing with ICE and had multiple arrests and encounters with law enforcement, assault, mental illness, all kinds of other stuff like this. Uh, this is a picture that we found on Twitter. So I'm showing you the the most recent picture, which is the one that, um, on the left, and then in 2005 on the bottom right and above on 2009. So every year she gets progressively more, I don't know, masculine looking, or maybe it's just crazy. It's hard to say. Uh, New York Post, nobody's really going on record on, on any of the larger publications saying that they know this for a fact, but uh, she did have social media and she did go by a name that makes no sense. And here it is. I think we've got it right here. So this is the, uh, this is the, the file on this woman. And you'll notice... The name is Jeffrey Escalante Moreno, not the name that they were using. Originally had a um, had a woman's name and then started using this Jeffrey G and Jeffrey Genise and then Jeffrey Escalante and Escalante Moreno. And it says the primary name or alias used is Jeffrey Escalante Moreno. Five foot, five hundred and ninety pounds, place of birth, El Salvador, listed as non-Hispanic white female. You know, those people in El Salvador that are non-Hispanic, white females. Uh, look, the gaslighting that goes on is pretty dramatic. The fact that this will probably get memory hold right away. Pretty interesting. Um, the, the, consider, the, uh, the ongoing sort of concern with whether or not we're talking about either a male or a female. Totally bizarre. Absolutely strange. Um, and the worst part of it is, is that we had a child in the crossfire. That got dragged in there. Supposedly her child dragged in there and got shot in the head because mom decided to drag a baby along the way. Dragged a baby into a gunfight that didn't even need to happen because it happened in the middle of a flipping church. That's how twisted we are right now as a society. It's people that are dealing with false prophets, following false prophets, and they're getting sucked in by it. It's truly sad. Makes me sad for this kid. It makes me sad the whole situation. By the way, uh, for all the, the racism talk that we hear in this country about abortion, I had this up here just to throw it up. This is Pew Research. I just wanted to end with this thought. 
what the data says about abortion from Pew Research, not, not a right-wing source at all. District of Columbia and 29 states actually report the racial and ethnic data on abortion from the C- uh, to the CDC. 39% of all women in 2020 who had abortions were non-Hispanic black women. 39%. Think about what a small fraction of the population non-Hispanic black women are, and almost 40% of the abortions went to that group that Sheila Jackson Lee purports to represent in Congress. They do a little breakdown here between the ages of 15 and 44. This is another relevant stat. 24.4 abortions per 1,000 is the non-Hispanic black women rate. 24.4. Hispanic women, 11.4. Non-Hispanic white women, 6.2. So the rate is 4x higher in black women, in the black, whatever the black community looks like. And a lot of this comes down to a complete detachment an attempt to get away from what is the real sort of underlying nature of this society and push into push into this what feels good spiritual bs this sort of leftist fake false prophecy these sort of people that are leading people down a path that results in more baby death like i just showed you those pictures those those kind of horrific videos that's what they're leading towards why why is it targeting at 4x a rate of a population that is that is so small. It's pretty intense. It's pretty awful. And it turns out that the people that are generally advocating the the Chelsea Clinton types that are leaving the church over abortion, they are the smallest and least likely to get one of these abortions. And that's interesting too. You can always tell people by their fruits, can you not? The things that they actually do, the way that they actually behave. That's the way that you look into this kind of stuff. And you know that they don't believe the things that they're trying to preach because they don't live that way either. They don't live that way either. Um, interesting, Sheila Jackson Lee was in there. I had another video that I wanted to throw up on there on the screen for you guys simply because <laughs> I found it and it's old, but it tells you a lot about the kind of people that we have to hire and why we have to hire them and the stories that we want to celebrate, the things that are being lionized by our society. Um, the FBI, like I said, served a search warrant at this woman's house and how interesting that that happens. And then I go and find this video. It's like, of course, our FBI was screwed up. This video is seven years old. I had no idea that, that like that goes right about the time that I was getting hired on. But eyes wide open for all of you that want to be in there. Eyes aware and alert of who they are hiring and why they're hiring them. They have to hire them because of the uh, because of the, the woke quotas and all that. And it it leads us to demonstrably worse outcomes. So I'll give you a little look at the FBI's YouTube page, which actually has a podcast and a bunch of other crap on it. Who knew? That's what we're all paying for. Glad to know that's where our tax dollars go. Check out this little lady's interview. My name is Hope Copeland. I am a chemist, non-examiner in the scientific response analysis unit FBI laboratory and I was being interviewed I asked the person who was interviewing me they asked me are there any questions that you have for me and I asked them I said well will it be a problem that I wear a hijab to work every day because in my previous employment I did not wear my hijab because I didn't feel comfortable I didn't feel like I was protected Um, I felt like um, I was amongst law enforcement officers 
who did not understand Muslims and I came from a community that's skeptical of law enforcement anyways. And I'm speaking of the black community in general. And when I asked this question of the interviewer, she looked at me and was like, why would that be a problem? And when she responded that way, literally I was like, really? It's, you know, it's not gonna be you know, a problem. You guys aren't gonna ask me, can you not wear your, your scarf, um, your hijab? And she was like, no, we, we wouldn't do that. And so I was like, wow, this is great. I gotta get this job, you know? Yeah, I gotta get this job because I can wear my headscarf, right? Yeah, that's what it's all about. That's the most important thing when you go out and get your job. By the way, you notice that she said she worked in another law enforcement agency and her sincerely held belief was so sincere and so intense that she decided not to wear her job. Not because anyone told her no, but because she had the impression that she might not be accepted. There's no reality behind it. There was no, there was no fourth of law. There was no policy. She just didn't feel like it was safe. But she got that question from the FBI and she felt great so she could express herself finally. It's the same thing with the LGBTQ stuff. The fact that our headquarters unit has a uh, has a pride flag on the wall in the human resources department, but not an American flag. That's the FBI doing the investigation of this this you know trans type person or this confused mentally ill person that goes and shoots up a church. How much faith should we have in these types of people? That's seven years old, by the way. That video, seven years old. It has the same background music that every shitty corporate you know uh, propaganda thing you've ever watched about how great our new management's going to be. Imagine that, that they thought that was a good thing to put out and that the American people have access to it. And we all paid for it. We all paid for that, that ad. Pretty disgusting. All right, a little bit of a palate cleanser, just a simple dad joke to kind of wrap it up. And then I want to say thanks to all of you for all the work you guys do, uh, including the five-star reviews, which are coming in closer and closer to the 1,000 mark, which we will celebrate when we hit it. Um, let me do a little, little palate cleanser here for you guys. Here's a little thought from uh, some of our friends. They don't really speak English, but we'll give it to them anyway. How do you identify a dad joke? Then I might, sure. but they just become apparent. 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 <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Aussies, we love you guys. Uh, you don't like freedom, but uh, we do like the way you say things. So we're not mad at you. Look, uh, folks, all of you guys, thanks so much for your support. We're going to uh, say thanks to our five-star review, which we have right here. This one is from Husker Fan. It says, grateful, five stars. Thank you for your courage to speak up and speak out. Kyle gives a great perspective on stories from his background and his faith. Hopefully that does not turn people off today. It is the thing that we care a lot about, an awful lot about. And I also wanted to throw this on the screen here. You guys can still support the O'Boyle family. Uh, Garrett was out running errands this morning, and he told me he couldn't join me, which means he needs to get his butt back into the sweatshop. Go to the-suspendables.com. Again, the dash suspendables.com. That's our website. That's the merch store. That is the O'Boyle family sweatshop uh, input line. That's how you start the conveyor belt to make them do the shirts and the pressings. Today I'm wearing the, um, what is it called? The uh, last line strength, which is the, uh, the brand that he started even when he was a cop and something he's been interested in kind of conveying the last line. The last line has a lot of meanings and a lot of meanings for many of you. Again, the dash suspendables.com promo code Kyle. You guys can also check out the shirt that I love right there with the AR-15 on it with the plume coming out of it. It is my hands down favorite shirt. I only wear it on my favorite days. I've got it in black on black. I don't know if he even sells it, but it's my favorite. Um, and thanks, thanks again to Garrett too, who has given me a uniform of the day, which is something that I didn't have until I stepped into this. I actually missed that when I was in the FBI. I like wearing a uniform and I've always got one now because of Garrett. You guys can support them. Again, the-suspendables.com. Promo code Kyle saves you a couple bucks. That's it for the show, folks. I know that was a little bit long. I know it was probably a little bit heavy as well. 
Um, but I'm grateful for all of you guys sticking around. I appreciate all of you that are watching it live and are here with us. And um, it's important that we know what our neighbors are thinking. We need to help kind of warn them from these false prophets. They're out there. Give them the perspective. Take it with you. And uh, I hope that you guys have a great day. We'll see you again tomorrow. God bless. See you soon. Thanks for listening to the Kyle Serafin Show, streamed live weekdays on rubble.com slash Kyle Serafin. Follow Kyle on Twitter, Truth Social, and Instagram at Kyle Serafin.